When I was at my first church assignment, I had an elder who, it was a maybe 30 people. Whenever he would be in charge of reading scripture, he would always finish the scripture by saying, may the Lord add the blessing to his word. Is that, have we heard that before? Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you because we know that without you, we are nothing. And so we pray, God, that as we open up the words of Scripture, the words that we have read time and time again, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would make them anew in our hearts and in our minds. We pray that your Spirit would use these words as the water for our soul, that you would allow us to flourish in faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The only way that we get to know someone is by spending time with them. Isn't that true? Now, I know that in 2016, I know that there are other ways to get to know people, right? And uh, maybe more for some of the younger folks, but if social media feeds. Now, I would say Facebook, but Facebook is for old people like myself and up. All of the young kids are using other things like Snapchat and Instagram, I think. I have an account on all of them, but I'm not very good at posting on all of them. So we can get to know things about people through some of these social media feeds, but you don't really get to know them. The only way you truly get to know someone is by spending intentional quality time. Relationships won't work unless you are spending intentional quality time with that other person. Relationships don't work if you just know facts about someone or if you've only seen pictures of them. Relationships will work if you are spending intentional and quality time with one another. And so this morning we continue the sermon series that we've been on for the last couple of months, the I Am Statements of Jesus, because we don't want to just get to know what Jesus says about himself, but we want to spend some intentional and quality time getting to know who Jesus is by the things that he says about himself. Granted, and I know, that a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with God is a little bit different than the relationships that we have with one another, right? In most relationships that we have with one another, when we talk, the person usually talks back to us. Now, I know that some people are quieter than others, but there is still that back and forth in the conversations that we have. And I know that when it comes to your relationship with God, God doesn't usually talk back to us like another person would. Right? When we pray and we talk to Jesus, he just doesn't really speak to us the same way. And I think that the Bible makes it clear that the way God does communicate with us often is through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit kind of works in ways that were beyond our understanding, but we know that when God kind of gives us clarity or gives us understanding or when God's presence is in our midst, we just know it and we can't really put our finger on it. And we can't really say, well, this is how I know God said this to me, but we just know and we tell our friends and, the fa and our families about how God spoke to us, even though he didn't use words, but we still talk about knowing that God was there and God was leading us in one way or another. And that's why we're doing this sermon series, because we want to spend this time learning about Jesus because we know and we believe that the eternal life that we all seek, the eternal life that we want, has its beginning and its birth in the place that we live now. Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, that eternal life is that you may know God and that you may know Jesus God has sent. 
And I want every one of you to be able to experience the beginning of eternal life here on earth. Because I believe that there is nothing better nor a better investment that you can do with your time than to spend time daily, intentionally, with God. So I want to begin what we left off last week. And uh, if you have your Bibles, and if not, that's okay, we have the verse up on the screen. But John chapter 8, Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. The light of life. Jesus is saying is that if you have Jesus in your life, you will never walk in darkness. Now, you're saying to yourself, well, it's kind of gloomy outside, but it's not so dark that I can't see around me. But Jesus was talking about a different kind of darkness. Jesus was talking about a spiritual darkness, a blindness of source. Now, it wasn't like darkness, witchcraft, or Satan worship, or anything like that. But it's the darkness of not having Jesus in your life. I guess it would best be described like this. If you have ever felt like life, that you're, the life that you're living isn't as it should be, then perhaps you don't have the light of Jesus shining in your life. If you feel like there is just something that's missing, something is out of place, things aren't the way you thought that they would be, oftentimes it's because we haven't given Jesus the central part of our lives. Now, I'm not saying you don't believe in Jesus if things go bad. And I'm not saying that you don't believe in Jesus if he's, if, uh, even if he's not the center of your life. But it isn't until you give Jesus the central part of your heart, of your mind, things won't fall in place until Jesus is the center of every part of your life. And following Jesus isn't just about knowing the things and the facts about Jesus, but it's about knowing Jesus. Following Jesus is also not just about following a set of moral guidelines or commandments. Following Jesus is about so much more than following rules. Following Jesus is about living a certain kind of way. It's about living a certain lifestyle where you are living in the flow and in harmony with the will of God. We might be able to say this, that to live a lifestyle that follows Christ is a life where you are continually abiding in Christ. It is when you are entering the sheepfold of Christ. It is about clinging to the great I am. Do you see what we just did there? Those are the I am statements statements about Jesus, but they are invitations for you to cling on to the great I am, to cling on to the creator of the universe, the one who has, the one in whom we have our being. The Bible tells us that we move and live and breathe and have our being in the God who creates all things. And when you abide in Christ, and we said this like maybe about a month ago, that to abide in Christ is if we think about like a, a charger for your phone and you're plugging it in so you can get energy to your phone, that's the same kind of thing that Jesus was talking about when he t calls us and invites us to abide in Christ, is connect to the source of life. And you know that on the days when you have connected to the source of life, the things in your life may not go according to plan anyway. But you know that you have the comfort and you have the strength to get through whatever happens because you know that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is out there. 
to be a follower of Jesus and to have this lifestyle of Jesus, Paul writes in the book of Thessalonians that we are to always be in prayer. Now, how many of you are in prayer all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? No, it's impossible because most of you have to go to work and some of you have to drive to work, so you can't have your eyes closed. When he says that we must be continually in prayer is for your spirit for your mind and for your soul to continually be open to the direction that God is leading you down. You know, sometimes we pray in the mornings, God, I surrender my will to you. May you, may you live through me. But it's so we walk out of the door, we go about our own agenda instead of allowing ourselves to be led by the agenda of God. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about how living in the Spirit is about being connected to God always about being connected to God in such a way that you live by, what does it say, the Spirit, instead of by your own agenda. So to be a follower of Jesus and to be a part of the light of Christ, it is about always to keep our spiritual and metaphorical eyes fixed on Jesus. So to kind of put this in a little bit more context here, um, there's these two words I want to look at. Now, there is this false dichotomy that even we as Christians think about. You know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm, I have a spiritual life, but I also have a secular life. And I think I've told you this before, where um, I had a friend, well, he wasn't a friend, I was a little kid, but I remember we were driving in his car to go to a convalescent home. It was one of those after-church outreach things, and, and he was, I don't know, he was probably, he, he seemed old to me, but he was probably like my age, like I am today, so he was young. But um, he had two CD cases and uh, he says, hey, will you, I don't know, he told us who were sitting in the back, will you pass me the orange one, I think it was. And we're like, well, what's the difference? And he says, well, these are, these are my spiritual music. This is my Christian music for Sabbath. The other one is for the other six days of the week. And we kind of laugh because I think we all have a playlist that we only listen to. I know I only listen to certain playlists on Saturday. And the rest of the week, there's a little bit more room for error. I won't tell you what I listen to. But you see, we, we have this false dichotomy that we think that we're only spiritual at certain times. Like when we come to church, we're spiritual and we're kind with each other and we love each other and we shake each other's hands and we're just like, happy Sabbath. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. We're so glad you're here. We missed you. And so we're like these super kind, loving people when we come to church. But then we think that there's a secular life where our secular life is when we go to work. It's the TV shows we watch, the people we spend time with the books we read, the entertainment that we choose. And so we divide our lives into this false dichotomy where, well, sometimes it's okay to be secular and sometimes we have to be spiritual. Like, like when we come to church, when we read certain books on the Sabbath or when we're doing our Bible study or when we're praying. But there's, that's false. You don't, you're not spiritual in one place and then secular in another. If we take the Bible for its word, then you are a spiritual being everywhere you go. Now, you might act differently in different settings, but you are always spiritual everywhere you go. You may make some really bad decisions, and you may make some really bad judgment calls, and you may even commit sins, but even in the worst of your sins, you don't cease to be spiritual. You don't cease to be a Christian just because of sin. You are a Christian everywhere that you go. And you don't get to separate it based on your setting, and you don't get to separate it based on the people that you're with. You are always a Christian. Because Jesus wasn't just Jesus when he was in the temple, right? 
Jesus was always Jesus, even when he hung out with prostitutes, even when he spent time with tax collectors. Jesus was still Jesus, the Son of the living God, no matter who he was with or where he was. It's funny because yesterday, and if you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or what's the other? Oh, yeah, those are the only two I use right now. Um, you know that I've been doing this thing where it's, it's the hashtag is hashtag 100 everyday cathedrals. Um, it's also the name of the blog I write. I'm not plugging it. I'm just explaining it. But go ahead and follow. The whole point and, and, and the thing that has been placed on my heart that I'm trying to be faithful to is that especially as pastors, so much of what we talk about our Christianity and our faith and our spirituality happens within these four walls. But according to scriptures, our faith isn't just about what happens when we gather together to worship, but our faith and our spirituality and our relationship to God is about what happens everywhere outside of this place, too. And so what I started doing is I said that I would do 100 days of what I call everyday cathedrals, and the whole meaning behind that is that God is present everywhere around us, right? The whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so if the whole earth is the Lord's and I am a Christian and I am a spiritual being, then everywhere I go, I can have a sacred encounter. Right? When Moses, and we talked about this in our sermon series, when Moses was encountered by the burning bush, it wasn't a sacred place because everyone would go to talk to this burning bush, but it was that he just happened to be there and God chose to encounter him there. Jacob, after his dream, when he was running away, running for his life, he wakes up after a dream on the side of the road, and it says that that was the house of God. You see, sacred places everywhere because God is continually pursuing you. I believe that God is continually pursuing you and wanting a relationship with you and wanting to communicate with you. The problem is that you and I are not very good at stopping and listening. We're not very good at silencing all of the distractions in our lives long enough to listen to what God is trying to teach us. So my everyday cathedrals is basically this. I look at one time throughout my day where I am experiencing the presence of God. And usually it's, I don't post until the very end of the night, like 10 o'clock, which is frustrating because then I'm tired by that time. But it's one of those things where it's like if I can for 100 days intentionally try to be aware of when God is showing up and how I'm experiencing God and what God is reminding me. If I can do that for 100 days, then why wouldn't I be able to do that for the rest of my life? Because I stand up here and I preach to you that eternal life begins now, that Jesus is wanting to give you the fullness of life and he is wanting to give you the abundant life. I preach that every single Sabbath that we gather, but I want to also be able now to model it. So anyway, yesterday I was at the tire shop and, um, and I was sitting there, and I put my headphones on, and I was looking over the notes for the sermon and making some other notes and adding stuff to it. And I was just like, I was reading the Bible, and I was working on this message, but yet I was ignoring everything that was going on around me. And there was a young man sitting to the right of the baby, and he was kind of struggling, and he was trying to move all his stuff. And, okay, I'm a bad guy. I didn't help him, okay? I didn't help him. But also because it's kind of weird because he's a little baby, but still, right? But I was reminded, listen, David, you are a Christian. While I'm writing this message, while I'm finished writing these words, it's like, David, you are a Christian even at the tire shop, especially at the tire shop, because God, or rather Jesus, says that not only is he the light of the world, but who else is the light of the world? You are the light of the world. Everywhere you go, 
every interaction that you have, you are called to be the light of the world. And the only way that you can truly be the light of the world is if you A, understand that you are a Christian everywhere you go and you are spiritual everywhere you go. And you can only truly be the light of the world just as Jesus is if you are connected to the one true light. The only way you can be the light and reflect the light of Christ is if you are intentionally and daily connecting to Christ. Now, I know for some of you, it's like, ah, but I don't like to read the Bible, or, oh, the Bible's boring, or whatever. And if that's you, well, there's good news. I mean, A, I think you should still read the Bible because it's like the first source, it's power. But now we have technology where you can look up sermons on YouTube. You can download sermons on a podcast when you drive to work, when you're going for a walk. And I know some of you are like, but I like to listen to this or that. I guarantee you, if you just try it for a week, on your way to work, just try to download a podcast or a CD or talk to me if you don't have the ability to do that. We'll find a way to give you a CD with a sermon on it. Just try that for a whole week and then come back next week and tell me if things aren't different. Like, and I know, like, as a pastor, that's what we're supposed to do. And, like, I listen to a lot of sermons all week, and I think it's fun, but it's, you know, I'm a pastor. But just do it, because I guarantee you that things will be different. Now, I'm going to do this next few slides super fast, because I feel like I've already told you everything that the next few slides I skipped over. So let's just go through this really quickly so you realize that what I'm teaching you isn't just David Oseguera's philosophy of how you're the light of the world, but we'll look at an example of what Jesus tells us. So Jesus just says, I am the light of the world. You, if you have me, you will never walk in darkness. The Pharisees, the religious people said, um, you are testifying on your own behalf, therefore your testimony is not valid. In the first century, you always needed two witnesses to corroborate a story. So if Brian, and they had to be male. So if Brian and I said, Amanda, we saw you steal that telephone. Oh, that's my phone. Okay, let's say, if Brian and I said, come to the elders or to the board, and we said, we saw Amanda Johnston steal Pastor Dave's cell phone, then the board, if we were in the first century, would say, well, she stole it because these two guys have come together and they said that they have witnessed it. Right? So, so that's the understanding that they have. So the Pharisees, the religious people, are saying, Jesus, you're saying you're the light of the world, but you're the only one that's saying this about yourself. Right? It's like when people nowadays like, try to talk about themselves, but the people that really know them, they're like, they're nothing like that. Right? And so they're like, Jesus, your word, your testimony is not valid. And then Jesus says, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going. I know where I come from because Jesus was straight out of heaven. Jesus had this co-eternal relationship that lasted into all eternity with God, with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that he was connected to God and Jesus would always say, I never speak on my own. I only speak what I hear the Father say. And he testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. So what Jesus is saying is this, I, my testimony is valid because it comes straight from the source of life. I am the light of the world because I am connected and fully surrendered to God the Father. 
So then Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. A city on a, built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God your Father in heaven. Here's why I just went through those other slides. Jesus was saying that the only reason that his testimony, that what he is saying about himself is valid, is because he, have such, he has him and God are one. He abides in God and God abides in him, right? That's continual throughout all of Jesus' teachings, that he is deeply connected to God. He has that co-eternal relationship with God. And Jesus then says, you are the light of the world, which now means that the reason and the only way that you can truly be the light of the world is if you are connected to who? To God, to Jesus. Jesus says, abide in me. All of the scriptures are connected. The only way you can truly be a light is not by you deciding that today you're going to be good because all it takes is driving down the 91 freeway to realize that you're actually really upset because of how much traffic there is or how crazy people like to drive. If it's just on your own, you will never fully be able to be the light that Jesus is calling you to. The only way that you can live as light is if you connect intentionally and with quality with God. It's about always being open to where God is leading you and what God is teaching you. You see, God is less worried about rules and he is more worried about having a relationship with you. And what did we say when we started? The only way that you can build a relationship with someone is by what? Just learning facts about them from their social media? No, it's about spending intentional and quality time with them. And that's what Jesus is inviting you to. Jesus' message was always an invitation to you. Jesus is relentlessly pursuing you. And we're just really good at playing hard to get. Because we want God on our terms and on our time. And God is just like always standing by waiting. So I just have a couple more verses that I want to share with you. In Exodus, just to show you that this is a theme that runs throughout the entire body of Scripture. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, when Moses, well, I'll just read it. He says, he was there, Moses, on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. This is when Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, right? He's, he's kind of pointing back, echoing what Moses did, those 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, but God was the one who was sustaining him. Again, Jesus echoes that years later. He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, and actually in the Hebrew, instead of the word commandments, it says the Ten Words. So that's just kind of Bible trivia for you. Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. All right, so what the Bible is telling us is that Moses' face somehow had picked up on the brightness and on the light of God. And as he comes down from this mountain after spending 40 days with him, he also is emanating this light of God. Because the more time you spend with God, the more your light will shine before others. It's like when you fall in love, 
right? And everything is just perfect, right? You're looking at the world through rose, is it rose-colored glasses, right? Everyone's your best friend. Everything is great. You have everything you want. And life is just amazing. I think that's the best analogy that we have of what our relationship with God truly can be like. That the more you spend time with him, maybe everything won't be rosy and peachy king. Yeah, I said peachy king. That's way before my time, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, not, but, but life is better because you begin to see the world in a different way. The more you are connected to God, the less you will be um, the less your first reaction will be to get what you want out of everything, but rather to do what will be God's will in everything that we do. Because remember, the life on this earth, we're just passing through. One day we will expend an eternity, and we may not, I mean, I don't know if we'll remember anything from this earth, but whatever awaits us in the age that is to come will far exceed even the worst of times here and even the very best of times and we can begin to have that experience here. A couple more verses. Are you hanging with me? A couple more, just to give you something to highlight in your Bible. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Paul says, Salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us lay aside the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. For once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Just pause there. Your faith in Jesus makes you light. You are no longer living in this spiritual darkness or this metaphorical darkness, but in Christ you are given light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Paul echoes this in the book of Philippians chapter 4 where he says, focus on all that is good, on all that is honorable, on all that is just. If anything is acceptable, focus on those things. Hashtag 100 everyday cathedrals, right? So focus on everything that is good. And then the very last one was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. And Paul says, for once, oh, that's it. No, for once you were in darkness, now you are light in the Lord and he says, live as children of light. The fact that you have faith in Jesus already makes you a child of light. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are an image bearer of the Most High God. You are an image bearer of the King of the universe. So just like we wear brands on our shirts, on our pants, on our shoes, on our bags, God is calling you to wear the image of God everywhere you go because you are light. You're light at work even on those days when you don't want to be there. You are light when you're at the grocery store and even at the tire shop. You are light when your family on Thanksgiving and Christmas when all the family drama seems to want to come up. You are light at school. You are light on vacation. You are a child of light. And Jesus wants you to let your light wants you to let your light shine everywhere you go because you never know how the way you live your life will affect someone else and might even pique their interest into knowing why it is that you live the way that you live. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you know our hearts and you know that at the purest sense of who we are, we want to be your light. 
We want to be connected to you. But God, because we're sinful, fallen human beings, sometimes we let all these other things get in the way of this relationship with you. And so I pray a special prayer for my friends who are here this morning, that you would make them strong this week, that they would feel your invitation every day to enter into your presence. And we pray, Father, that you would do miraculous and amazing things, that we would know that you are not a God who is distant, but a God who is present with us. We thank you for what you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.